Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode contains mature content that may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Realm presents Tales Beyond Time, episode 21. Hello again, fellow travelers. This is Tales Beyond Time, presented by Realm. I'm Marco Palmieri, your guide on more wild adventures. We've queued up two tales of the Weird West for you this week, written by Nicole Givens-Kurtz and Malka Older. Nicole Givens-Kurtz might be familiar to Realm listeners as one of the writers on our space opera, The Vela. But did you know she loves to write Western stories? The Wicked Wild was first published in 2017 in the Bain Books anthology, Straight Outta Tombstone, and is narrated for Realm by Shayna Small. It's not easy being a black woman in the Wild West, but a bit of magic helps. My friends, saddle up for the Wicked Wild. A wind can move the branches of trees, but it will never move the head of a man. African Proverb, 1901, New Mexico Territory. Who there? Zara Gibson whirled toward the sound. Come on out here now. The gods grew up in the foothills of this place, and the gods' shadows, hills, mesas, and arroyos remained, or so the Navajo believed. The gusts of wind swept through the valley between the natural monuments. The wind didn't silence the crunch of footsteps. She waited. One breath, two breaths, three breaths. The wind died, as if listening to nothing. She resumed her walk along the untamed path toward home. A body couldn't be too careful. Out here, the West wasn't just wild. It was wicked. Zara suspected the wickedness had found Chad Wilkins a prick of anger fed by the heavy loss of the Civil War. She'd spied him fooling around in some arroyo consumed by thick billowing smoke, but no fire. She'd smelled the odor of spoiled eggs, thick like the smoke, and took off. With her heart pounding, she prayed he hadn't caught her spying. Not that she meant to be spying. She had been out walking to get some fresh air, until it turned foul. How come you ain't got your black ass to town to do the laundry? Chad asked as he emerged from the brush. She spied his horse appearing behind him as if a dark apparition. He spat around the wad of tobacco from his mouth. The cowboy hat, dirt brown from years of wear and weather, cast his eyes in shadow. His horse looked away, embarrassed by his owner's lack of tact. Zara picked up the scattering of dried tumbleweed around her appropriated Hogan, giving her hands something to keep busy. Idle hands became the devil's workshop, and Zara had one devil too many standing in front of her. You hear me? Chad shouted. Soon the deep rattling of his cough shook his body and choked off whatever other vial he intended to spew. Zara stopped and turned to face him. I hear you talking. You ain't been in a week. Zara took in a breath and released it. Been down in my spirit. Chad scowled. I ain't brought you all the way out here for you to get lazy. I brought myself, earned my own way, walked on my own two feet, 
and I ain't felt too good. The whole point of coming out to this land and settling was to be free of folks like Chad, men who thought they still owned her and her people. Chad peered across to her the way folks looked at scorpions scurrying across the road. As dark green eyes narrowed, I protected you. Zara adjusted her headscarf. Say you. So get your black ass back to town before I drag you back, Chad said. Zara put her chapped hands on her hips. She didn't miss the washing and scrubbing. The harsh lye soap ate into her skin. And even now, days later, her hands still bore welts and angry flesh. She looked him up and down before shaking her head. Some people just don't know how they sound. I'll go to town when I'm good and ready. I ain't your slave no more. Chad spat out another wad of tobacco. It sounded like coughing out a hairball, wet and dark. It landed near her skirt. He wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and shrugged like her words didn't matter. They did, and she knew it. You see, girl, just cause we living in the new frontier don't mean we like being dirty. We're civilized, not savages. Zara peered harder against the glint of the sinking New Mexico sun. The wide-brimmed cowboy hat cast his face all in shadow, except the slash of anger on his lips. This close to dusk, the leaving light revealed the slivers of smoke escaping from Chad's back. Smoke that the ordinary folk wouldn't see. Could be trick of the light, could be trick of the devil. No point in being clean when your soul's stained black, Zara said. You know all about being black, don't you? How many good people died cause of your kind? And for what? Chad scratched at the beard crawling along his jawline. Lazy, good for nothing. Zara didn't give a direct answer. She'd traveled far across hard, unyielding earth to get to what some called the promised land. She wouldn't waste time on the likes of him. With a sigh, she turned to go inside her home. The cocking of a gun caught her attention and she turned back to him. You don't turn your back to me. Chad pointed his pistol in anger. That's enough damn disrespect, you filthy nick. On instinct, Zara lifted her hands and with palms out, swept them upward toward the heavens. A huge gust of wind rushed over Chad. The language of her forefathers and foremamas rushed in a stream of verbal magic. She commanded the winds and they readily obeyed. The blood in her connected to all that came before. They took their payment from her. Payment for her calling them out and waking them. They always left her tired, so tired. Sometimes it was worth it, like now. Come, great winds. She commanded the wind to whirl around him. The roaring of the blood in her body spoke to her fury, and it called to theirs. Pent up anger from years of enslavement, cruelty, and torment had unfurled. Chad's lips puckered, eyes bulging. He clawed at his neck, trying to ease the pressure on his windpipe. The winds stole his breath. His face became a dark purple, and he'd drawn blood in thin rivulets along his neck before Zara lowered her fists. You a nasty person, Chad Wilkins. Zara coughed out blood, thick and wet, like the tobacco wad now drying on the parched earth. Zara wiped her mouth. She didn't like using it, the magic. Not because of the damage to her own spiritual core, but because it frightened folks. And frightened folks did foolish things. She peered at him, the roar of power burning in her palm's centers. The skin along Chad's temple bulged outward and crawled down to his mouth. He opened it and spew of black smoke shot out. Zara raised her hand and wind rose up to whisk it away. Chad cackled, but behind his eyes, Zara saw something other. With her chest burning in agony, she waved her hand and whispered, thank you, to her ancestors. To Chad, she said, go on now, Chad, y'all leave me be. Chad gasped, his inhales rattling in a wet, sickening manner. 
He coughed out some words in her direction before yanking on the reins and leaving, just as she had wanted. The red-purple hue had started to fade, but the damage to his windpipe would take days, maybe weeks to heal. As he left, he wheezed out three words. You gonna pay. Zara sighed. Now she'd done it. The wickedness would come for her. The movement behind Chad's eyes and rippling beneath his skin didn't belong there. The very thing she had hoped to avoid by relocating to this desolate place she had angered. The devil would have his due. And clean laundry. Trouble arrived first thing in the morning. Throughout the previous evening, the wind's howling had warned of approaching evil. Despite the pain and soreness in her muscles, she'd risen early, heeding her ancestor's wisdom, and found Sheriff Hicks waiting outside her door, his fist raised to knock. He didn't have his usual smile. Sheriff Hicks tipped his hat but didn't enter. He hesitated, then said, Understand me for Lizara. Chad Wilkins come to see me last night. Now, I don't know what happened. You can't just go around attacking folks. This ain't some juju village in Africa. We might be living in the wilderness, but we observe the social graces of life. I won't stand for base savagery and wild sage. Zara listened, allowing Hicks to say his piece. He was the law, after all. Men like Chad looked strong, but that strength didn't go all the way through just on the surface. She suspected Chad had taken it bad, but it went deeper than hurting his feelings. The other inside him, housed up in his body, recognized her power and that of her ancestors. It wanted it, craved it. But Sheriff Hicks didn't want to hear about all that. So she crossed her arms. He drew on me. Sheriff Hicks climbed back onto his horse and leaned over his saddle. What did you do to make him do that, Zara? She sighed. Sheriff, I done lived a bunch of places, and the land always changes. Something that don't always change? Hate. Whether it be here or in the deepest hell of Mississippi, the wickedness don't care. It feeds on the hate. Sheriff Hicks' breath shuddered. Look here, Zara, I'm a Christian, so I don't believe in that mojo stuff. All I got was a battered cowpoke crying foul. Don't know how you did it, or even if you did it. Just stay away from them, okay? I'm a freed person, no more master, no more following orders. You still gotta follow the law. What about him? What about the pistol he drew on me, threatened my life? He didn't even tell you that. You saying it's self-defense? I'm saying he's the lowest value of a coward, drawing on me when my back's turned. If you come out here again and tries to take my life, he won't be coming to talk to you about it. Zara crossed her arms. As she stood just outside the threshold of her residence, she studied the broad-shouldered lawman. He rode a dark horse. A tan cowboy hat kept the sun from his face. His gun belt slung low over his hips contained his guns, and his badge shone from his chest. Wiry and red-haired with spectacles, he didn't look like danger. A mistake that many numbered dead had made. I see. You like getting your own way, don't you, Zara? Hicks rubbed his chin. Then his usual smile emerged on his lips. She shrugged. Don't everybody? Indeed, he laughed. Change is a shifting thing, Sheriff. The wickedness ain't gonna lie still. It be coming. Some folks better be getting used to that. He studied her for a moment before shaking his head. What you going on about? More of that juju. She fixed her gaze on him. Something's here, and that little pistol ain't gonna help. Ain't no problem these guns can't solve, Zara. He patted the butt of a gun, but his smile sagged a little. Now, nah, will you just come into town and wash? 
The unmarried men folk like going to church with clean clothes. Might find him a good God-fearing woman. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. The sound of wagons and galloping horses couldn't drown out the saloon's music next door from filtering into the laundry. She could smell the alcohol and unwashed bodies sweating off their drunk over the scent of the lie. Despite being early in the day, laughter and howls emitted in concert with the music of frontier life. Inside the store, she sat perched on the stool as the water-filled cauldrons warmed over the fire. Beyond the buildings, the blistering and scorched landscape stretched out across the New Mexico territory. That morning, Zara ate her breakfast and walked back into town with the morning sun accompanying her as it rose higher in the heavens. Some townspeople called the land enchanted. Spirits rose from the ground and inhabited the trees, the animals, and the stars. The sky birthed humans and all living things. Here, the line between reality and mystery blurred. How else did you describe the towering mesas, the deep canyons, and magical terrain? One thing was certain. Living in this wilderness wore down lives. She saw it in the eyes of customers who came to get their clothes washed. All men, single, widowers. It had been three days since Chad Wilkins' visit. Recovered, Zara stood on the storefront's porch, attempting to catch the breeze. Already the New Mexico sun wrought high heat and little relief. The mild trek into town had been slow, but she got there. Ah, you finally drag your sorry ass into town, Chad leered as he stumbled out of the saloon. The inky smoke drifting from him and his shadow shimmered, as if unable to hold the shape. Zara tried to ignore him, it. She shifted her eyes instead to the beautiful mesa beyond him, but the smoke skewed her view. No one else on the street, those strolling past, those standing around talking, seemed to be able to see the wickedness that had claimed Chad Wilkins. You hear me? Chad roared. Yeah, everybody can hear you. Zara turned to go back inside her shop. Maybe he'd knock off and return to the abandoned Hogan, back to his demonic master. Or he'd follow her in, which would at least take him away from those on the street. His bellowing drew a crowd from the saloon. Several people paused as they strolled along to observe the antics of the town idiot. Darn it, that's what she didn't want. A group of folks in danger of getting hurt if Chad's other decided to engage her. That's cause I got something to say to you, witch. Zara paused inside her store. The wind whistled as it slipped in. Yes, she heard the warning. Chad and the others moved down the short porch toward her. Sheriff Hicks let you off. You should be in a jail, woman. Chad spat out the word woman as if it had been a curse. I bet you bewitched him, too. I can see it in you, even if they don't. Tendrils of dark smoke spiraled from the corners of his mouth as he leered at her. The crowd, now gathered at her door, shuddered in unison. Hot and fast whispers whipped about them, chasing after Chad's words. Zara put her hands on her hips but held her peace. You deny you did this. 
Chad pointed at his neck, the contusion still visible but fading. Quit your belly aching, you got your ass kicked by a woman. But shied it from just behind Chad, before elbowing his way to the front. He tipped back his cowboy hat. Belly back up to the bar and drink your sorrow like everybody else. She's a filthy witch, I tell you, Chad repeated, his face flushed. Zara watched as the flush deepened to black blotches blossoming along his cheeks, across his forehead and down into his beard. The hard green of his eyes turned dark, his hands sported long beast-like claws. No one else noticed. Right before her, the wickedness consumed the rest of Chad's humanity. Heh, yeah, she's made the dirt on my Sunday shirt disappear, shouted Rancher John. Laughter. From the rear, someone added, hey, ain't that magic? More laughter. It ripped through the group, cresting in volume before tapering off, as members tired of the fun and turned back toward the saloon. The noonday sun made one thirsty. Zara suppressed her smile, but glowed inside at their kind words about her washing skills. It failed to eclipse the mounting fear inside her. Already her hands tingled in anticipation. The being inside Chad may attack now or wait. Most of the time, devils did things in the dark, under the cover of night, when man's defenses were low. Chad shoved Bud away, still fixing Zara with a glare. There it was, the hot gaze of the other inside him, the wickedness that puppeted him. She'd seen that look on many a frustrated white man's face. He'd meant to cause her strife, but that had failed. The man wanted to make her pay for that. The demon wanted to feast on what remained. She shuddered at the truth in that thought. With the words of her ancestors in her ear and her heart, the voices of her grandmama spoke of their strength. Do not fear, we are one. Leave, I have work to do. Zara nodded toward the saloon. Chad grunted, made a rude gesture and stormed off, the angry dark wickedness flowing behind him like a cape. Dusk, few people remained on the road. Most had retired to their homes and families. Even the saloon next door had intermittent periods of silence. Shoulders singing in fatigue, hands raw from the lie and back throbbing from lifting and bending, Zara longed for a hot cup of coffee and a comfortable bed. She'd just closed the door when Chad Wilkins appeared in the road. You whore, witch, he yelled. He clutched two lanterns, one in each hand. The flames inside each held an eerie and otherworldly green flame. Go home, Chad. Just walk on back to where he came from, Zara warned. The hair on the back of her neck stood up. You know what they used to do with witches, Chad bellowed, spittle flying. He raised the lanterns high in the air. Chad hurled the first one at her. She fell backward against the door. With swift hands, she turned the knob and raced inside. The lantern missed her but slammed into the store's wall, bursting and sending the green fire and oil all over. You fool! Zara screamed as the second one shot past. Fire latched onto the wooden structure as fast as lightning. It chewed, not just her store, but soon the saloon next door, too. Dry air and even drier wood burned, encouraging the flames, growing every second the flames spread, Greedy and propelled by the desert's high winds, billows of smoke wafted into the sky and back into Zara's store. Fire, fire, screams rose into a chorus. Blinded by smoke, Zara crouched down to get air. On her knees, she crawled out the door and off the porch. Fear spread as fast as the fire itself to the few who remained in town. Chad disappeared into the smoke and falling light. What happened? Sheriff Hicks met Zara in the center of the road. Chad, Zara coughed out. Water, get water, form a line from the arroyo. Sheriff Hicks shouted at a group of men racing from the smoking saloon. Horrible wickedness ravaged one building, skipping in delight from one wooden area to the other, greedily consuming all in its path.
That's what the devil came to do. Kill, steal, destroy. The harshness of ignorance and hate may have come to the West, but Zara and her ancestors wouldn't let this promised land be destroyed by it. No, what to do? She'd just recovered from her last attempt to fight off Chad Wilkins. That had been an anger, and the fury rolled forward in her even now. The Indians could call down the rain, but it was her African ancestors who controlled the wind. Even as she pulled from her inner strength, the fire began to fan back toward the already charred sections, lowering the heat. The magic pulled on her life force, and she coughed, bloody spittle, dark and wet against the dirt road. She got to her feet, her lungs burning. Her ancestors had blessed her. The winds had calmed the flames. The townspeople raced to put out what remained of the blaze. Thank God the whole damn town didn't burn. Sheriff Hicks clapped a hand on her shoulder. You all right? That's twice Chad tried to kill me. The burning lessened as the wind calmed around her. You sure it was him? I got two eyes, Sheriff. All right, all right. He put his hands on his guns. I'll bring him in. No, I'ma talk to him, alone. Zara started toward the west, toward the wicked Chad Wilkins. He wouldn't get a third try. Zara, get back here. Don't do anything foolish. She paused, looked back over her shoulder and said, I'm not the one that tried to burn down the town. Sheriff Hicks hung his head and reached for her arm. Zara, it's reckless. You're angry, I'll go. She searched his face and saw the concern shining in his eyes. She had to be the one to settle the issue with Chad. Sheriff Hicks' bullets wouldn't exercise the demon inside Chad. Only she had the power to do that. Because, well, it wanted her magic, her power. White men always did. That demon ought to be careful what he asked for. So is moving out to this desert. Zara removed his hand and resumed her trek. Chad had presented his wickedness. Now she'd show him what she had. As she walked down the path toward the outskirts of town, Zara called upon her ancestors, and one by one they appeared beside her, dropping out of the sky like falling stars. Each apparition wore his traditional dress of her ancestral homeland. Although some wouldn't consider this a special occasion worthy of the kente, Zara did. The bright orange and vibrant blue illuminated her surroundings. Amari, Buena, Henry, George, Kwame. Soon, the noise of town faded. In the distance, coyotes howled, and the light faded. Once she reached Chad's cabin, her ancestors stood with her as watery silhouettes against the velvet night, casting an eerie glow. The two-room home sat on a stretch of barren land. A few feet away, a barn sheltered the beasts, but not the one locked in Chad Wilkins' heart. The light in the window flickered, and the sky above sparkled. Zara stood at the end of the walk. The wickedness she'd hoped to avoid had provoked this confrontation. Evil, sinful, the Christians called it. I'm calling you out, Chad Wilkins. The door creaked open. A shirtless Chad walked out onto the porch. His bare feet moved silently across the wood. When he saw her, he frowned. You survived. Her presence answered that, so she didn't reply. She raised her hands as she came closer. You always looked lived in, Chad. Zara spied the possessing entity as it hissed out of his mouth a spiral of buzzing darkness pouring out between his lips toward her. She pulled the wind down and spun her hands to push the attacking evil away and out of sight. You oughta died in the fire, then we'd feast on your power, Chad screamed, but the voice no longer sounded like him. Is Chad still in there? She'd seen so much death and just plain wickedness. Despite the hard pit of anger in her gut, 
She wanted Chad to live. The glowing red eyes narrowed, suspecting she meant to trick it. Blisters lined the soles and sides of Chad's feet. He walked as if he felt nothing. The round pus-filled sacks burst with each step, leaving wet tracks behind. The demon no longer cared for his host. Well, Lizzie? No reply. There's some emptiness that can't be filled, huh? Zara asked. Every inch of her hurt. Almost all of her spiritual energy was being siphoned into holding her ancestors here. They helped guide the wind. We want you dead, Chad answered, leaping at her, claws out. Zara willed the wind once more. Arms heavy with fatigue, she knocked him backwards. Power is acquired by taking it, Chad breathed. His descent spiraled down into the absolute wickedness that continued. You can't just take what you need. Round here, that's called stealing. Not if you're dead, he screamed, stepping down the porch's two flat steps. Who'd do the laundry? Zara wheezed and collapsed to her knees. So weak. He came at her once more, claws stretched out toward her neck. She pivoted to avoid his right hand, but his sharp nails caught in her left side. They shredded her thin blouse, flesh and muscle. Chad whirled to face, licking the blood from his fingers. Gritting her teeth against the searing agony, Zara pushed herself to stand. He rushed her again, but as he swung, Zara dropped to the dirt. Standing took too much physical strength, of which she had little left. Zara fought to keep her eyes open. She wouldn't cower from death. Wait. Who them with you? Chad squinted, peering with red eyes into the distance. Zara's ancestors moved to intercept him, and once he spied them up close, he screamed. Turning to run, he tripped and fell. His legs tangled up in each other. Scrambling to his feet, he tried to flee. Zara's ancestors stepped into her, each one adding their strength of spirit into her body. One after the other, until Zara could stand on her own, full of strong magic and powerful, they joined her. Pain vanished beneath the strength of her ancestors. With them came the iron will to survive the middle passage, long lashes of whips, war, and torture. No more! Zara shouted in the voice of many. With fingers sprayed, she called the winds. They rushed Chad Wilkins, pinning him to the ground. She shortened the distance between them. Once she reached him, she demanded, leave Chad, leave him now, get out. No, the demon spat back, laughing in glee. Kill him, we will still live. Anger pushed forward, but Zara's ancestors soothed her. Be calm, we will force him out. She pushed the wind faster. If the demon wanted to stay, it would have to stay in a wind-swept and battered host. Chad screamed until he became unconscious. Before her, the orange glow spiraled out of Chad's body, a mouth split from the entity's mass. Exhausted, Zara stumbled as her ancestors took their leave, as did her magic. She'd emptied it all. Until next time, the thing promised, before slithering into the ground and disappearing from sight. With her entire being singing in misery, she watched the spot for a moment to make sure the demon didn't crawl back into Chad. With her power temporarily spent, she couldn't protect him. After a few minutes, Chad stirred awake, his face ripped raw by the wind, his clothes tattered. He glared at her with confusion that melted away to anger. You did this to me. She nodded, too tired and too hurt to say much more. We ain't even, bitch. He coughed and tried to push himself to a sitting position. He collapsed backward with a thud. Zara studied him for a moment before turning back to the walk. Slowly, she headed down the long path to her home. Come. Zara sat in front of her fire, a pipe stuck between her teeth, 
gazing out across the dawn of a new day. Sheriff Hicks stood in the doorway. Morning, Zara. I'm here about Chad Wilkins. I went over to arrest him this morning, and, well, he's in a bad way. Had to call out for the doctor from Tohatchee to come and take a look at him. Zara nodded, puffed. Sheriff Hicks shifted his weight to his other foot. It's looking like a heart attack. Too much wickedness ain't good for you. Zara met the sheriff's gaze before turning back to the view. Yeah? Yeah, she puffed. Funny thing, you went tearing after him, Sheriff Hicks said. Zara puffed. I'm an uneducated person, Sheriff, but I didn't think talking to a person could cause them to have a heart attack. Sheriff Hicks nodded. It can't. All I did was talk to him. He studied her for a few long seconds before asking, you coming in to do the laundry? John said you can set up in one of them back rooms until repairs are done. Sure. Everybody deserves clean laundry. There's something about combining westerns and the supernatural that just feels right to me. And what I love most about Nicole's story is how it doesn't use demonic possession to excuse Chad's racism. Rather, it suggests that such self-inflicted tears in one's own soul can act as openings for even darker things to enter. Spirits that feed off the wickedness that's already there. Hate fueling hate. Our second story is by Hugo Award finalist and frequent Realm contributor Malka Older who is the lead writer on Orphan Black, The Next Chapter, and Ninth Step Murders, and a co-writer on Machina, Born to the Blade, and Embodied. She was also one of the contributors to Realm's series of original pandemic-themed flash fiction stories. First published in 2020 and narrated by Natalie Nautis, The Slow Steed and the Fast finds a woman and her daughter meeting a stranger on the road. Gentle listeners, please enjoy The Slow Steed and the Fast. Sarija's three-year-old daughter, Alarevi, stopped chattering after the third day, and after that, it was fairly easy to slip into the journey's trance. Vela the donkey plodded through the scrubland. Sarij watched the horizon, watched the bushes slide past, watched the low mountains ahead rise, nuance emerging to distinguish each hour as she stared at the seemingly monochrome aridity. Every journey trance was different, but they also became familiar once you had done enough of them. Sarij remembered the reluctance, the impossible urge to move faster and get there sooner, that gave way into patience and, eventually, fascination. This time was more different, as it was the first journey she had done with a child. Alarevi might not be fully appreciating the experience, but she didn't have to and she did seem to enjoy the newness of it all. And after the first few days, they had found their rhythm. Sometimes Alarevi got down and ran alongside the donkey. Sometimes Sarij got down and walked. At night, she made a fire to cook and to warm them and to let any other travelers know they were there so they could stay away. But on the tenth night, someone approached anyway. Alarevi was already asleep, and Sarij was thinking about joining her, but stayed mesmerized by the flames long enough to hear the sounds. A stone dislodged. A footfall. It was so unexpected that at first, she imagined it must be an animal. When the sounds came closer, she stood almost reflexively and loosed her hooked sword, thinking only to scare away the wolf or bear. It was a man. Adrenaline spiked through her, and her sword vibrated as she startled. Who are you? How long have you been traveling? He had a sword at his side, but he hadn't drawn it, instead raising both hands. One held a strand of rope which Sarij traced back to a bridle on a horse. Sorry to surprise you, he said. I am Rish. I mean you no harm. 
How long have you been traveling? Sarija's voice scurled up the register, and she couldn't stop herself from glancing down at Alarevi's bedroll. The little girl hadn't moved, but Sarij could see the firelight reflected in her wide open eyes. Months. I've been traveling for months, he said. I am a traveler, no more. I don't have any intention of hurting you. Sarij had already lowered her sword, although she didn't resheathe it. I've been traveling for ten days, so... She unfurled her fingers in his direction, indicating that it was his risk to take. Then, since he didn't back away, gestured at the space on the opposite side of the fire. Please, rest. Do you need food? Thank you, he said. He turned his back to tether his horse while Sarij rummaged for some Saracen cakes, then settled himself while she put them to heat on the edge of the fire. So, he said before she had finished preparing the cakes, where are you from? Sarij waited until she was finished as a rebuke to his rudeness, then answered politely. Pailu settlement, ten days from here by donkey. Rish crinkled a smile, not the fastest steed. And I was thinking yours was a bit too fast, she responded, returning his smile. Well, I had a long way to come. Sarij waited, and eventually he added, from Zerkis, on the other side of the Holar Mountains. Oh. Sarij had never heard of someone coming so far. You meant it when you said you'd been traveling for months. She let her hand stray to Alarevi's head and stroked soft hair. What is it like there? Rish made a face. Difficult in the winter, at least where I live. Our harvests are barely enough to last. But the summers are wonderful, not as dry as here, it is very green, with many flowers of all colors, and so many birds. He closed his eyes as though lost in memory, so trusting. Is that why you are traveling? Sarij was sympathetic. With the mild seasons here, many crops could be grown year-round, and they rarely went hungry. But there had been some droughts in memory of the oldest, and the stories were told over and over to impress on every young person the importance of storing extra grain. Well, in a way, he said, accepting the Saracen cake she held out to him. My family does not go hungry, usually. But the winters are very long, and I wanted to see something different. Sarij nodded. Yes, I am traveling to visit family, but we all try to journey at least once every six years. It is good for the spirit. It is indeed, Rish agreed heartily, taking a swig from his water sack to wash down the cake. I cannot tell you how my understanding has expanded since I set out on this exploration. Ah, Sarij said, that is undoubtedly true, but for us... The journey trance is not so much about expanding our knowledge, but concentrating our spirit. Oh? The solitude is important. Sarid snuck a glance at Alarevi, hoping she would understand she was included in that, but the girl's eyes had closed again. And the time. A slow steed, you understand. To consider, to experience, to, as we say, dwell without dwelling. Fascinating. Rish exclaimed. He had swallowed the last of his cake and looked covetously at the other, but without grabbing or asking. Sarij plucked it from the embers, bouncing it a bit as her fingertips stung, and handed it to him from its furthest edge. Every six years, you say? More or less. Usually there is a reason to travel within that span, but if not, someone might suggest to the person that they are in need of a journey. Getting a bit cranky, they might say, or... Too many people for you? And what is Pailu like? He was leaning back now, relaxed in the warmth of the fire as he nibbled at the cake. So Sarij told him. The fields and orchards, the friendly relations with their triad cities, Bolo and Fazi, with whom they balanced populations, the yearly festivals. Rish listened avidly, asking questions and exclaiming sometimes in surprise, which made the conversation very pleasant, until he finished his cake, wiped his fingers on his cloak, and pulled a scroll from his pack. Do you mind? he asked as he prepared a contraption that must have served as a traveling inkwell. I would hate to forget any of this. 
You want to write down what I say? Sirij had never considered such a question, and before she could fully consider it, he was already making notes. She was quiet, listening to the scratch of his pen, but when he said, Tell me more about the Festival of Forgetting, she still had not come up with a good reason not to, so she did. Reish wrote on, asking more questions as he went. It's interesting how it differs from the way they do it in Yarden, he said thoughtfully. They have a forgetting beast, unlike your remembering beast, but they still remove the head symbolically. Sirij was so lulled by the rhythm of conversation that it took several breaths before she realized her brain was insisting that something was wrong. Once she listened to it, the understanding cascaded through her, like water falling through a series of irrigation tubes. She leapt to her feet. Yarden is only four days from here, she said. He would tell her he had been there months ago, that somehow he had just come back into this area. Two days on my horse, he agreed cheerfully instead. Sirij whipped her sword from her side. You were in Yarden two days ago? Well, yes, Rish said, still lolling by the fire. Sirij sank her hooked sword into his shoulder. Rish made a guttural sound, more surprised than pain, but still loud enough to wake Alarevi. Sirij saw her twitch out of the corner of her eye. The hook was just resting on his shoulder, only lightly slicing the skin, but the barb in the back would be cutting in a little deeper, enough to be a shock, enough to hold him at a distance. What? Why? Rish asked when he had some breath back. Sarij had not removed the hook from him, nor had she pushed farther. You left a settlement less than 12 days ago, she hissed, not wanting to alarm Alarevi. You may have killed me. You may have killed my daughter. What are you talking about? Rish asked, and winced as his effort to speak twitched his shoulder. I told you I mean no harm. Get this thing out of me. It is forbidden to go from one settlement to another in less than 12 days, Sarij told him. Calm now. You don't know what you may be carrying. I know exactly what I'm carrying, Rish snarled. He was trying to get at his sword now with his left hand. What is it you want? You won't get my records, I promise you. He was clumsy, and it would have been easy enough for Sarij to incapacitate him with a twist of her sword and take his, but she did not want to touch him or any of his belongings. You don't know. There could be illness that one settlement no longer notices, but that will affect another. Rish stared at her for a long time. But you, you are going from one to another. Twelve days, Sarit said. But you've been living there for years. This won't... No one travels between settlements in less than twelve days, Sarit repeated, implacable with the force of law behind her. I will release you when you swear to leave without coming any closer to me, but you must not approach any place for twelve days. And how will they know? Rish asked. Nonsensical rule. Then, Sirij twisted her sword, widening the hole in his back, and removed it. Rish crumpled, pressing his hand to his shoulder. They will know by the wound, she replied. She was still breathing hard from the shock of fear. Two days only two days, as she lowered the hook into the hottest part of the fire to cleanse it. I don't recommend you try it. She packed quickly, reminding herself with each item that it hadn't touched him, it hadn't been close to him, it hadn't touched any of his possessions. She bundled Alarevi onto Vela the donkey while Rish was still struggling to bind his shoulder. You could help me, he called, but she did not answer turning Vela the donkey away from him and toward the southern pass, urging her to her quickest pace. She needed to add twelve days to her journey now. She would have to go the long way around. She wondered how long it would take her to shake the fear, how long it would take her to find a new trance. It took her until dawn to accept the extra time and let Vela slow. The man had not touched her or Alarevi. They were fine, probably. And even if she resented the longer journey, 
Maybe it would help her understand a man who rode a swift horse, wrote down what he heard, and did not care who he hurt. I love how Malka's story captures the essential truth about life during a pandemic. That looking out for ourselves alone will only keep us safe to a point. As members of a community, we rely on others for our health and safety, just as they rely on us. In the mood for another weird Western? Check out Bullet Catcher. In an alternate Wild West, a young woman in search of her lost brother becomes hell-bent on acquiring the power to catch bullets. Or if you're ready to jump forward in time, give a listen to Ninth Step Murders. In a near-future Tokyo, a Japanese investigator and a UN peacekeeper reluctantly join forces to solve a series of bizarre deaths. Both shows are out now and available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, whatever dimension you're in, safe travels. You're listening to Tales Beyond Time, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tales Beyond Time, Episode 21, features The Wicked Wild, written by Nicole Givens-Kurtz, and The Slow Steed and the Fast, written by Malka Older. It is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Marco Palmieri, associate produced by Alexis Latshaw, and executive produced by Molly Barton, hosted by Marco Palmieri, and performed by Shayna Small and Natalie Nottis. Audio produced by Tidef Studios and Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Nicholas Papalio. Cover art by Kindle Thomas.